God, we thank you so much. As you fill this place with your power, your love, your mercy, your grace, we thank you, Lord God, that we are not alone in this place, but you are here in our midst, ready to move, ready to speak, ready to encourage, ready to empower, ready to strengthen all that are here today, all that are watching by live stream, those whose spirit are joined with us tonight as we pray and seek your face. Father, we thank you. We thank you in advance for receiving our prayers tonight. We thank you in advance for blessing this place, blessing this time. Lord, we thank you, Lord. As you create an environment, Lord God, of peace and healing and strength and joy and deliverance. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that as we come together, we come in strength, joining our faith together. Where one can turn a flight a thousand and two can turn a flight ten thousand. Father, we thank you tonight for moving mightily on our behalf, showing yourself strong and mighty, letting us know that you are truly God. And Lord, for this we thank you. We honor you tonight and we give you all glory and praise. In your precious Son's name we pray. And all of God's people agree and say, Amen and Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you all for being here tonight. And those of you who are watching by live stream, thank you so much for being here. Your spirit is just as important there watching by live stream as it is of those that are here tonight. Because we're here to do one thing and that's to pray. But before we do, let me just share a few words with you. Words that I think will be encouraging. I want to start out by sharing a story about these five young college students just during the 19th century. And they, were, they decided to spend a Sunday in London. And while they were there, they decided to catch the famous Charles Spurgeon, who was at that time the, uh, the Billy Graham of the 19th century. And as they were waiting for the doors to open, this man came and, and, and greeted them and said, would you like for me to show you around? And, uh, and he said, would you like to see the heating plant of this church? And of course, the, 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 the five young college students weren't too interested uh, because after all, it was a hot day and it was the middle of July and they didn't want to, the last thing they want to see or to go is to a heating plant. But because they didn't want to offend the man, they decided, okay, well, all right, we'll go. So the man led them uh, down a stairway and the door was quietly opened, and the stranger whispered to the young men and said, This is our heating plant. And to their surprise, behind those doors were 700 people bowed down praying for the service for that evening. And softly closing the door, the gentleman who was showing them around and showing them the heating plant of the church, introduced himself. And it happened to be Charles Spurgeon himself. And what I want you to see is this. We have 700 people coming together in one place, in one accord, for one service. That, my friends, is a praying church. And tonight we're going to talk about the praying church. What is the praying church? I think it's so important that we live in a time where, you know, we, with all the corruption and all the, the confusion and all the division and, and uh, the economy and, and the injustices and the, all the stuff that's going on in this world today. It is time for the church to step up. And become the praying church that God has called us to. Amen. We have a mandate. To be a praying church. 
We've been called to come together to pray and make a difference in the lives of people, but also in the lives of this country, the lives of our leaders, and the lives of our world. We have a mandate. And I want to take the time to go with, you, uh, go with me uh, to 1 Timothy 2. And I want to talk to you uh, primarily in this particular passage of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, about what it means to be a praying church and how our praying church can be effective. And beginning in 1 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, it says this, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And if you look down in verse 8, it says, I desire therefore that the men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. So there are about four or five things that I want to point out to you and show you as to what it takes to be a praying church. The first is this. A praying church is a church that prioritizes prayer, that makes prayer a priority. And last Wednesday, I spoke to you about how Jesus made prayer his priority. His prayer to him was such a priority in his life that he would get up before the sun came up to be alone with God and pray, to get away from all the distractions, all the noise, all the sounds, all the voices, all the stress. Jesus was not moved by the pressures of ministry. He was not moved by the needs of all the people. And he was not moved by the agendas of others. We live in a world where it's, it, 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 that life is so busy. How many of you can honestly say your life is busy? We all have busy lives. As a matter of fact, part of our vocabulary is I'm busy. How many have ever said that? We all have said that because we live a busy life. There's a life that's so full of distractions, pulling us in many different directions. The, the, the stress level is high. And unfortunately, it's affected our prayer lives. It's taken us and, pull, and affected us and interrupted our prayer lives that, that we don't get a chance to pray as often, as consistent as we like to. Because of the world that we live in. But my friends... We cannot allow the distractions of this world, the stress in this life, the business of life to take priority over prayer. But we must make prayer a priority because that is a praying church who makes prayer the priority of their lives. Now, I'm not saying that you have to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. But through the course of the day, make sure that you make prayer your priority. Before you make a major decision, before you make a major move, before you go out and reach and minister to somebody or pray for someone, or before you're going to call somebody to minister to them, make sure prayer becomes a priority before you do anything or take any steps forward until you hear from God, until you receive His directions and, and instructions. A praying church. Is a church that prioritizes prayer. Ian Bounds, who was a, f a well-known man of God during the 19th century, who was also an authority in prayer, he made this statement. And uh, even though this was in the 19th century, but this is also relevant for this day, the 21st century. And it says this, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better machinery, or you can say better or more technology. Nor new organizations or programs or gimmicks or methods. Because what the church needs is men who want to be used by God. Men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men and women of prayer. Men who be allowed the Holy Spirit to use them for the purpose of praying. A praying church makes prayer a priority. The second thing I want you to notice is in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, it says, I urge you first of all to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. A praying church is a church that prays for everyone, 
Because everyone needs prayer. How many of you here needs prayer? Those of you watching by live stream, how many of you need prayer? I see your hands. Every one of us need prayer. And a praying church is a church that prays for everyone. And listen, when the scripture says, first of all, pray for all people. All people is not limited to your friends, your relatives, or your family members. All prayer for all people means praying for people you don't like. People who don't like you. People who aggravate you. People who've used you. People who have manipulated you. People who did you wrong and dirty. People who have lied about you. People who have abused you and hurt you. These are the all people that we have to pray for. A praying church doesn't discriminate as to who to pray for. Because the Bible says that God desires that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That all men means the very people that you don't like or don't like you. We have to pray for all people. A praying church prays for everyone. A praying church also, if you look down in verse 2 and verse 3 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, it's, it goes on to say, Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. I'm getting an echo up here. Why do we pray for those who are in authority? Because the scripture says, for this is good and it's well-pleasing to God. God likes it when we pray for those who are in authority. God loves it when we pray for our country. God loves it when we pray for our spiritual leaders. God loves it when we pray for all people, no matter what positions they hold. In Psalm 22, verse 28, it says this, For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he rules over the nations. We have to pray for our country. Those who rule over the country. Those who have the power to make decisions in our country. We are not only to pray for them, but also to pray for the condition of our country. Our country is a broken country. Our country is a hurting country. With racism and bigotry. Racial injustice, social injustice, division, corruption, and all kinds of evil going on in this country. Our country is a broken and, and, and sick world. A sick country. And it needs our prayer. Which is the reason why we need to pray for those who are in authority to help bring this country to where it's supposed to be, where it should be. We have to pray also for our spiritual leaders. Those who are in authority in the church. Those who are ministry leaders, those who you serve under, whether it's pastors, elders, or other ministry leaders in the church, those are people in authority. We are to submit to them and also pray for them. Look at the Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This was the Apostle Paul praying to the church, asking the church, Finally, my brethren, pray for us. Why? That the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified, just as is with you. Verse 2, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. So even the Apostle Paul prayed, asking the church to pray for him. Praying that God give them wisdom and God, that, that God will help them to, to bring the word wherever they go and to protect them from evil men and from, from any other distractions or any other obstacles that would try to prevent him from preaching the gospel. How many of you know that pastors need prayer? Pastor John needs your prayers. He needs our prayers. We live in a, in a world where uh, these are challenging times for pastors and spiritual leaders. We live in a country where there are men who are conspiring and plotting to, to pass laws that will hinder the gospel from bring, going forth into this country. That will try to distinguish the light of the gospel. That will hinder the pastors from preaching the good news. There are all kinds of evil that are plotting against the church. Very subtly. Our pastors need uh, prayer. They need a praying church that's going to lift up their leaders. 
There was a, a story about a man who had heard that Charles Spurgeon was coming to town. He was really excited because he wanted to meet him. When he finally met Charles Spurgeon, he asked Charles Spurgeon, Mr. Spurgeon, because you're so influential and, so, and had such a successful ministry, what made you so successful? What, what is it about you that, that makes you so influential in your ministry? And Charles Spurgeon paused for a moment. And then after a moment of pause, he responds to the man. He says this, my people pray for me. Uh, where would we be without the prayers of the saints? Where would we be without prayers? Where would our family be? Where would our relatives be? Where would our friends be if it hadn't been for prayer? A praying church is a church that prays evangelically. First Timothy chapter 2 beginning in verse 3. It says this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God and our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And there is one God and one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus. Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Verse 7. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So we see how Paul goes from general prayer for everybody to a specific prayer for leaders. And then he focuses prayer for the souls of those who are not saved, for the salvation of souls. He says, God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen to Paul's heart when it comes to his fellow countrymen. Romans chapter 9 and beginning verse 1. This is what he said. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. Look at verse 2. This was his heart. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed and cut off from Christ if that would save them. Now look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 1, the very next chapter. Paul once again revealing his heart for his people. He says, dear brothers and sisters, the longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. A praying church is a church who has a heart for people, a heart for souls, a heart of evangelism. Their heart is to want people to be saved because it's the same desire and love that God has. It's his desire that all men be saved. Our desire and heart should also be the same. A praying church is a church that prays for the lost souls. That should be the heart of a praying church. And then lastly, a praying church prays with the right heart and with the right attitude. If you look down in verse 8 of 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without doubting. He says lifting up holy hands, that means having a heart of holiness, a heart that is pure, a heart that is clean, a heart that's clear of conscience, of good conscience. He also said a heart that is without wrath, a heart that is without anger or bitterness or wrath or unforgiveness towards someone. If there's odd against someone in your heart, you need to deal with that before you go before God in prayer. Because God wants a clean heart. God wants a heart that there's nothing there that will hinder our prayers. Look at Psalm 66 and verse 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, David says, the Lord will not, what? Hear. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, and look in verse 14 and 15, a very well-known verse of scripture. says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and watch this and turn from their wicked ways, what is the result? Then I will hear from heaven 
and will forgive their sin and watch this and heal their land. And verse 15 says, Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer that is made in this place because our heart is clear of all unforgiveness, anger, wrath, bitterness, or resentment towards others. Because our heart is pure and holy. And also because our heart is filled with faith and not doubt. Then our prayers can be effective. Then God can hear our prayers. Then God, God not only will forgive us. But God also will hear our land. Heal our country. All throughout the book of Acts. It records all of the mighty works of God. For and through the church. Whenever the church came together to pray. And I'm just going to go over them real quickly. But in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13 and Acts 2 and verse 1, 100 people, 120 of the disciples were gathered together in the upper room praying in one accord until the day of Pentecost came, until uh, uh, the power of God fell upon them. Also in Acts chapter 1 and verse 24, it says that the disciples prayed for wisdom in knowing who Judas' replacement should be. In other words, before they made a decision as to who to replace as a disciple, after Judas had killed himself, they prayed. They didn't just say, any, meeny, miny, more, raise your hands if you want to be a part of a disciple. No, they prayed. They went before God and said, Lord, who's going to be the next one up? But they prayed together. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 24 and verse 31 it says, When Peter and John reported about the threats of the Sanhedrin, those gathered together cried out to God in one accord for boldness, and the very place was shaken where they prayed. Boy, I tell you, I can't wait for the time when we can come together in the house of worship. When we come together in one accord and pray with all of our hearts, with fervency and with urgency, and shaking the very core of this place. Shaking the very core of our being. Because we come together to pray as a church. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 6, when there were some uh, issues in the ministry among God's people, the Bible said the church prayed over the seven men appointed to serve the widows. In Acts 6 and verse 6. And in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 11, when James was beheaded and executed, and then Peter was imprisoned by Herod, the Bible says that the church cut together and prayed fervently. And God miraculously delivered Peter from his cell. And then finally, while the prophets and teachers were praying and fasting together, the Holy Spirit interrupted their prayer, saying, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, as he was about to send him off into ministry. And of course, I have one last thing. Paul and Silas, after being imprisoned, they prayed together. And these are just two men now. But they were part of the praying church. And the Bible says that God sent an earthquake that resulted not only in the conversion of the jailer. But also resulted in their release. But the majority of God's recorded workings came when his church prayed together. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that private prayer is not effective either. Because Jesus got alone Many times to pray and his ministry was affected because of his one-on-one -on -one time with God. Let me close with this. John Knox was a man during the 15th century. And he was a leader of the Protestant Reformation in Scotland. And he was also the founder of the first Presbyterian church in Scotland. Now understand that he lived in very dangerous times. Because being a Protestant during that time was very dangerous. They were being persecuted. And the Queen of Scots happened to be a devout Catholic. So that made things even more challenging. But what others don't realize about this man, John Knox, was not only that by the end of his ministry, he was not only known for his ministry and the work that he had done, but he was also known, actually he was more well known for his prayer than for his other ministries. In Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30, and I want you to pay very close attention to this verse. It says, how could one person chase a thousand of them and how two people put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them or unless the Lord had given them up. In other words, nothing can be accomplished without prayer. Nothing can be accomplished without God intervening through prayer. Now, 
Mary, the Queen of Scots, who was a devout Catholic, hated John Knox. He hated, she hated him, but she also feared him. She was very much afraid of him. She was often heard being said these words. She says, I fear John Knox. I fear John Knox's prayers more than an army of 10,000 men. And it said that Mary, Queen of Scots, trembled every time John Knox fell on his knees and prayed. When was the last time you had an effect on people like that every time you prayed? When was the last time people trembled when you fell on your knees to pray? But this Queen of Scots literally was afraid every time he prayed because here's the reason why. Because when he prayed, things happened. And she believed, she believed that he believed that prayer works. He, she believed that every time he prayed, things happened because she saw it happen. She saw it come to pass. She saw the impact and the effectiveness of his prayer. She witnessed it. One of the things that he did was his prayer it was what, what sparked the Reformation of Scotland. From Catholicism to Protestantism. It was his prayer that became the fuel of the ongoing Reformation during his time. And it was his prayer that shook the land of Scotland, causing a revival among God's people. And let me just add this. The Queen of Scot, who was Catholic, was arrested and was put under house arrest by the Queen of England, who happened to be Protestant. Now, whether that was a subject or the result of John Knox's prayer, I don't know. But it seemed to me that God had removed that obstacle so that revival can sweep through Scotland. And people can begin to worship God and serve God freely. John, John Knox's model was this. He's always known by saying this statement. He says, one man with God is always in the majority. Glory to God. You can be the only person serving God, but you're not in the minority. You are in the majority. <laughs> Glory to God. The reason why the queen was afraid of him was because he believed that God worked through prayer. He was a man that acted on his belief and he would come boldly before the throne of grace. Bringing his petition before the feet of God. And even though he was one man who changed all of Scotland through his prayer. Yet he was a part of a praying church. But it begins with one person. And when the Bible says one can turn a flight a thousand. But two can turn a flight ten thousand. Because God is behind our prayers. And he can make the difference. Hallelujah. But that's what a praying church does. That is what a praying church is. So tonight we're going to be praying for our country as well as our leaders. The only reason why we do that because the Bible says it pleases God. That when we pray for those who are in authority... We're also going to pray continuously for our country. We're also going to pray for the church at large. It's time for the church to wake up. It's time, the Bible says, awake unto righteousness. It's time for the church to wake up and become serious for the things of God. And begin to put to work the tools that God has given to us, which is prayer. And then, of course, we're going to pray for our leaders at FCC, especially Pastor John. For some reason, God had placed that in my heart tonight. And so we're gonna, I'm going to ask that you join me. Those of you watching my live stream and those that are here tonight, join me tonight as we pray for our pastor and all the pastoral staff as well. Let's go before the Lord as we pray for our country and its leaders. Father God, we thank you, Lord. As we pray for this country, Lord, first of all, we thank you for the freedom that we have. We thank you for the freedom of, to worship, the freedom to speak freely, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that we can rest peacefully at home, Lord, knowing, Father, of the freedom that you've given to us. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you continue to sustain that freedom in this country, Lord, especially for the Christian and for the church. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you come against any, any plan of the devil that would try to hinder our freedom, that would try to hinder and restrict, Lord God, our faith and our beliefs. And, and, and to, be, to be able to publicly speak forth the truth. 
Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you put a hedge of protection around your church in this country. Father God, that you help to preserve our freedom to worship, our freedom to express ourselves, our freedom to express our faith, our freedom to walk by faith, our freedom to pray, Lord God, our freedom to speak truth in the name of Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you bring peace and unity in this country. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you heal this broken country, Lord God. Heal this land. Father, remove the corruption. Remove the evil, Lord God. Remove the racism. Remove the division, Father, in this country. And Father, we pray for leaders that will have a strong conviction to do what is right. To have a conscience that is clear. A conscience, Lord God, to do what is good. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus for our leaders, Lord God. Even though they may have tremendous responsibilities, Father God. But we pray, Lord God, that they'll take these responsibilities, Lord. And, 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 and fulfill the responsibilities, Lord God, with dignity, with honesty. With, with, uh, <coughs> with truth, Father God. We pray in the name of Jesus, Father, for our President Biden. Father, you begin to lead and guide him and order his steps, Father God. Father, you begin to mold and shape his heart and direct him to do what is right. Direct him, Father God, to make decisions and choices, Father God, <clears throat> that will favor this country, Lord God, that will do this country good, that will make this country strong, that will make this country a place that people want to live. Father God, to make this country a place, Lord God, that we can be proud of. Father, we pray that you lead our, our president, Lord God, to, to dictate, Lord God, and to delegate uh, the, some of the responsibilities to responsible men and women, Lord, that will carry out his mandate. Father, let the mandate, Lord God, be uh, 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 the truth. Let this mandate, Father God, be a mandate that comes from you directly. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus <clears throat> that we continue to pray for his health. Father God, that we pray for his mind, that his mind is clear. Father, that, that, that his mind will be renewed, Lord God. Father God, that he'll be able to think clearly and be able to focus, Father God, at, with, it, with the task at hand. Father, we pray for the Holy Ghost to begin to work in his heart and lead him closer and closer to you, Father God. That, Lord, as he takes on this big responsibility, Lord God, that he'll begin to realize how much more he needs you. Lord, he'll begin to realize how much counsel that he needs from you, Lord God. And Father, you'll, that he'll be, be able to surround himself with godly men and women, Lord God, that will help him, Lord God, provide with wisdom and direction, Father, that will help bring this country to fulfill your will. Father, we pray for all the leaders in Congress. And Lord, all of our cabinet leaders, Lord God, we pray in the name of Jesus for them. First, we pray for their salvation. We pray that they'll come to know you personally. We pray, Father, that they'll come to a Damascus Road encounter with you. Hallelujah. Father, that their eyes will be open and they'll begin to see that you are truly God and that you truly exist. And Father, begin to reveal your will and purpose for their lives. Father, let there be a transformation in our government. Hallelujah. Lord, let there be a place of holiness. And righteousness in our government. Let there be a place for righteousness, Father God. As you raise up leaders, Father God. That will stand for truth. That will stand for righteousness. Lord God, that will be bold enough, Lord God, to express their faith. Lord, we pray for leaders that are not afraid to speak out the truth. Father, leaders that are not afraid to stand against things that will try to go against truth. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. As we continue to pray for, for our leaders and those who are responsible in high places, those who are in position of authorities, Lord God, whether in the cabinet, whether in Congress, Lord God, whether our local leaders, our state leaders, the government leaders, Lord God, whomever they are, whomever they may be, we continue to pray for them, Father, that first and foremost, they'll come to know you in a personal way, that they'll have a personal revival in their hearts, Father God. And Lord, that you begin to open up their hearts to receive Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, that you begin to guide them as they lead this country, Lord Father, and, and govern this country, Father God, with wisdom and with a right heart. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that these are men and women that will keep our, us safe, protect our borders, Father God. Protect our economy, Lord God. Hallelujah. 
Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father God, that they'll be able to uh, straighten out that which is broken, Father God, and be able to put the pieces back together again. We pray for a country, Father God, that is solid and stable. We pray for a country, Father God, that, that, that there will be no more division, but, Father, be peace and unity among the people. Father, that there will be no room for racism. There will be no room for uh, bigotry. There will be no room, Father, for social injustice or racial injustice. Father, we pray for a country that is free, a country that is peaceful, a country that is unified. A country, Father God, that serves you and acknowledges you as God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for the church to take its place. Father, we pray for the church to stand up, rise up, be noticed. Father God, that the church, Lord God, will become a praying church. Father God, that people will fear every time we go on our knees to pray. Because they know that when we pray, things happen. Because they know that when we pray, Father, evil must go. They know that when we fall to our knees to pray, Father God, that they tremble, Father God. Hallelujah. At the mere thought of us praying. Glory to God. Father, we pray that as one may turn a flight a thousand, two may turn a flight ten thousand. That the whole church will turn a flight, turn a flight millions. Hallelujah. Father, we pray for the church to rise up and awake from its, from its sleep, from its slumber. Father God, give the church boldness to stand up for what they believe. Boldness, Father God, not to turn away or back down, but to stand for their rights, to stand for their beliefs. But Father, we do this on our knees. Hallelujah. And when the time comes, Father, well, we need to be vocal, Father God. You give us wisdom. To say what needs to be said in a godly manner, in a spirit of righteousness, and we're full of wisdom. Father, we pray that the church will no longer be afraid to walk in righteousness, to walk in truth. Hallelujah. Father God, that the world may see what it means to live in truth. That the world may see and know what truth is. Father God, that we become the light of the gospel. Father God, that we may shine in darkness. Father God, that darkness must be dispelled in the name of Jesus by the appearance of the light of the gospel. Father, we pray that the gospel will spread throughout this country and bring revival, Lord God. Hallelujah. In every state, every city, in every town, every county. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In positions of authority, Lord God, in positions of non-authority, Father God. That the gospel will reach wherever, in every corner of this country, Father God. We pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We pray for the victory of the church, Father God. We pray, Lord God, to be victorious, Lord. Hallelujah. We pray that we walk by faith and not by sight. Father God, that we'll stand and not be afraid. Not walk in fear because you are with us. What can man do to us? Hallelujah. For you are with us and not against us. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are present in our lives. That anything that come against us, Father God, must first come to you and come through you. And Lord, I thank you that you put a hedge of protection of your people. Hallelujah. And Lord, that we will not allow the kingdom of darkness to have rule and reign in this country. But Father, we'll take back what's ours. We take back, Lord God, uh, and, and be able to possess the land. The land that you've given to us. Father, that we may take back the land from the devil. Take back what the devil's robbed us. Take back what the devil has stolen. Hallelujah. Let the church rise up and be the powerful church that you call us to be. Your word says to be strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Hallelujah. Because we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you've equipped us to stand against the devil and having done all to stand. Thank you for giving us the victory. Thank you, Lord God, that our faith will be a shield to absorb every attack from the devil. 
And more importantly, Lord God, you give us the tool and the power for prayer. Because in our needs, we can pray and change things. Shake the very foundation of this country, oh God. And restore it back to its proper place. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you, Father God. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you, Father God, for victory. We thank you, Father God, for all that you've done, continue to do in our lives, through us and for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for instilling in us, Lord God, a desire to pray. A desire to make prayer a priority. To be a part of a praying church. To be a part of a power that can change the world. Hallelujah. That can change our world. That can change our country, Lord God. Let us be fervent in our prayer life. Let us be consistent in our prayer life. Let us not be weary, Father God. But let us continue to stand and having done all the stand in our prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord God. That even though the loved ones that we're praying for. Souls that we've been praying for, Lord God. Let us not give up and grow grow weary. But let us continue to pray until Christ be formed in them. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. That we will be vigilant, fervent in our prayer life. Lord, that we'll make prayer a priority every day of our lives. And we'll not let, let the distractions of this world, the busyness of life, the stress of life, get in the way and interfere with what we should be doing as part of our responsibility as believers. Father, we thank you, Lord, that prayer will take its proper place in our lives, in our daily lives. Hallelujah. And that we be consistent and forceful and mighty and powerful, Lord God. And Father, we thank you, Lord God, that as we get our prayer lives together and get our prayers back, our life back to where it needs to be, Father God, That things will begin to change. Hallelujah. And the foundations of evil will begin to crumble. And the gates of hell, Lord God, will not prevail against the church. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for our Pastor John and Miss Anita, Father God. We pray for strength, health to their bodies, long life. We thank you, Father God, for new energy, Lord God. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father God, for giving him a, 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 a revived spirit, Father God, to continue to serve you, Lord. And Lord God, that each year their, their hearts will become stronger and stronger. That the vision, Lord God, that you've given him for, for Faith Christian Center will become that much more clearer. And Father, that he'll begin to see what you've called him to do and what, what you uh, see the work that you call him to do, Father God, in this church. It's to see it come to pass. To see the vision be unfolded, Father God. To see your will and purpose, Lord God, be fulfilled at Faith Christian Center. We thank you, Father God, for giving Pastor John and Miss Anita wisdom. Hallelujah. To be able to govern and to lead, Lord God, this church. Give them wisdom, Father God, and and, and, uh, a strong heart and a strong spirit, Father God. To continue serving you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that as we see Pastor John come and preach behind the pulpit, Lord God, we see new energy, new life. And Lord, there's no trace of him slowing down. And we thank you for that, Father God. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. You've given the spirit of revival, Lord God, in his heart and in his body, Father, to continue the work that you've called him to. And Lord, we thank you as you continue to give him ideas, continue to show yourself in visions and dreams, Father God. Continue to speak to him with clarity through the word, Lord God. Hallelujah. And begin to bring him and make him to be a powerful man of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for using him, Father. For blessing us with the teachings of the word. Thank you that you continue to give him revelation, knowledge, and understanding of your perfect will, Lord God. And give him the, 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 the utterance to be able to express and to explain and to teach 
your word with clarity and with simplicity so that we can understand what you've showed him. That we may know and understand what you revealed to him, Father God. Thank you for giving him the ability to articulate your perfect will, Father God. Hallelujah. As you continue to increase the anointing in his life, the anointing in Miss Anita's life, Father God. Hallelujah. As you use him as mighty servants of God. Hallelujah. We pray for all the leaders in this church, Father God, that will stand behind our pastor. Continue to lift him up in prayer. Continue to support him, Father God. And continue to step in, Lord God, and help him and be a mighty help to him. As we continue to walk together in one accord, hallelujah, having the same vision and going in the same direction, Father, hallelujah. Father, thank you for unity among the leadership in this ministry, Father. We thank you for strengthening the unity of the leadership, Father God. We thank you for strengthening the leadership here, Father, as you give them wisdom and direction, Father. How How to serve your people, Lord God, how to minister to your people, Lord, hallelujah. And how to get this church through this very difficult time, Father. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for helping us. And Lord, thank you for the body that has graced this church. Who are here, Father God, to support us and to pray for us. Father, those that are here, Father God, to be a help to us. Hallelujah. We thank you and we cover their prayers, Father God. And we thank you for the covering of their prayers. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. We pray for Pastor John to be strong. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Hallelujah. Father God, that he'll continue to serve you with all his might. With all his heart. And Lord, that he'll be able to serve you effectively. Glory be to God. And Lord, we thank you for making him to be a mighty man of God. Thank you for making him to be, Father God, a man who has your heart, who hears your voice. And Lord, walks under your complete direction. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We praise you and we honor you tonight, Father, for hearing our prayers. We thank you in your precious son's name, Father, for all the wonderful things that you're doing for us individually but as a church corporately lord god we thank you hallelujah praise be the name of jesus we thank you for your presence in this house we thank you for hearing our prayers in this place we thank you for honoring the church that is praying together tonight those that are here and those that are watching through live stream father we thank you for hearing our prayers. We thank you for the unity and the bond that we have together tonight as we come together in one accord. Hallelujah. To pray for your perfect will. Lord, we pray for healing for the Korea family, Lord. For Joseph Korea. Healing him, Lord God, when he had an operation in his knee. Father God, that that as they operate, they'll do it right. And Lord, we pray for, for a speedy recovery. We pray, Father God, that when he's in the operating table, Father, that you will oversee the operation, uh, operating process. Father God, that you guide and direct, Father God, the doctors and the nurses that are involved in the operation procedure. And we thank you that you see to it, that do it, they do it right. And Father God, that he'll recover and have strength in his knee and be able to walk and run and do the things that he once did before. We thank you, Father, for healing and recovery. We also pray, Father God, for Christian Reed. Father, that for healing from all of his, her illness. Christina, I'm sorry, Christine Reed. Uh, to ask for healing from all her illnesses, Father God, who's struggling with her health. Father, we pray for strength and healing and, re- and, and restoration of, of, of her body, Father God. And we pray, Father, we, we, uh, we claim her and proclaim her to be the healed of God. We thank you, Father God, and first and foremost, that she'll come to know you in a personal way if she doesn't know you yet. And we thank you, Father God, for covering her with your blood and bringing health and healing to her body in the name of Jesus. And Lord, for this we thank you. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen and amen. I'd like to also give you a, a quick report uh, before we close.
But last week, we had prayed for a young lady who uh, it's not really known what happened, but, um, but it's not COVID-related. But she, 17-year-old girl who was in critical condition in, in a respirator. And uh, come Saturday, after we prayed Wednesday, we, I heard Saturday that she's no longer on the tube and that she's breathing by herself and that she's on the road to recovery. So I wanted to share that with you because the prayers of the saints is what made the difference. So we thank you for that. So we, we also thank the Lord for that. This is uh, Steve Boulay's granddaughter and uh, Cynthia's granddaughter. So uh, we thank the Lord that uh, God is doing a wonderful thing and a wonderful work in her life. And so we believe that God will receive all the glory for what he has done. Amen. So uh, before we move on, uh, let me just ask this question. Of course, I know everyone here, but those who are watching by live stream, if if you don't know Christ, you don't know what you're missing. But let me encourage you that if you open up your heart and receive him as Lord and Savior, by that I mean believing that he died on the cross for your sins. He took your sins upon himself, your sins and my sins, and he nailed it to the cross and wiped our slate clean. Now, if you can even think and even imagine that, Everything we've ever done and said and and, and the things that we're not proud of. Things that we regret doing. Yet God has wiped it clean because of what his son Jesus did. And he did it for us. And the Bible says that if we believe in the Lord Jesus and call out his name and make him Lord and Savior. The Bible says that we shall be saved. Saved from what? Saved from eternal punishment. And now have eternal hope. Living eternally in heaven with our Father. But it starts with accepting Jesus Christ in your heart. So I'm going to ask that you say these words with me and really mean it in your heart. If you really want to know Christ and really want to live for Him and want to get out of this rut that you're in and fill the empty void that has been inside of you and you've been searching and not found anything to fill that void, Christ is the answer. And so I want you to repeat these, uh, these words with me. And those that are here and those that are watching, keep repeating with me as well. And I want you to say these words. Father God, I ask you to come into my heart through your son Jesus. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that because of what he did, I'm now forgiven of everything I've done, everything I've said, everything I've thought. That is contrary to your will. And now Lord. Because I believe this. Your word says that I am saved. And because I'm saved. I'm now a child of God. All things have passed away. And all things become new. Because of what your son Jesus did. I am now a born again believer. My life is new. And Lord I thank you. Thank you for a new hope, new meaning, and new purpose in my life. And for this, I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said these prayers, you are now a member of God's kingdom. Your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Now you have an eternal destiny waiting for you. And a mansion also being prepared for you. Just because of this prayer that you made tonight. And let me encourage you to do this. Call us in the morning. Call us at 508-336-4110. Someone will be at the phone answering whatever question you may have, helping you whatever it is that you need help in. We have some materials that we also like to send to, with, uh, to you. So please give us a call. Someone will be there to talk to you, pray with you, and answer any questions that you may have.